Well, there is something that impedes or stops God's speaking. And a lot of people would say, well, what do you mean God can say anything whenever he wants to say it? Well, we're going to study that today and learn what we do not hear oftentimes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, where we discover the Bible. And as we do so, we are looking at Genesis chapter 37. This is a fascinating study that we'll do in just about three minutes time. But first, here's Corey. Well, covered in our reading today is uh, the death of the matriarch, Rachel. So we're going to be taking a look at the site of her tomb today. Ryan? All right. Well, today I'm focusing in on Genesis chapter 37, where Jacob adorns his son Joseph with a special robe. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, the coat of many colors. Very interesting situation there. Janice? Today I want to talk to young people. All right. Very good. So take your Bible guide out and let's look at the Bible, the Word of God, and let's open it up and listen to what the Lord is saying to us. Genesis 37, 1 through 11. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the story of Jacob. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilkah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. Genesis 35, Genesis 36, and Genesis 37. That's what we read today. And turn your Bible guide to this passage because it is something. You know, the Bible is very clear about dreams. Many times we think of dreams as a fictional or a make-believe story because they're so abstract and unique. 
But the Bible gives many situations where God actually has spoken through dreams to believers and unbelievers alike. It seems as though our human thinking is interrupted by the Holy Spirit because we're not paying attention like we really should during our noisy and busy days. Perhaps God uses the quiet stillness of the night to capture our attention, giving the Lord free access to our minds. Now, if we are Christians, surrendered our lives to Christ, then we have also made our minds known to Jesus Christ and technically his mind to ours. We should be able to hear what God is saying to us. Well, young Joseph was amazed by the two dreams that God gave him about himself and his family. But Joseph, along with his brothers, really, and his father, didn't have the right insight at the time to understand or know what the dreams could possibly mean. Joseph's dreams were going to happen, but they were going to happen in the future. This is a very interesting story, and this begins our launch of the next several days of learning about Joseph and learning about his brothers and learning about his dream. His dream is going to happen later in life, and a lot of things have to take place to Joseph before that happens. So take your Bible guides and let's begin to study. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis 37. We're going to talk about dreams. And Father, I pray today, as we open up our hearts and open up our minds, that you would show us your ways and teach us your paths. Now, I pray, Lord, that our minds would be, we're not going to be busy, interrupted, and doing all these things. We're going to focus on you for the next six minutes. We're just going to say, Lord, show us your way and teach us your path in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen, and make it so. Now, if that's the case, let's look at the first scripture because this gets interesting. So Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was, a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Not, not a good idea, Joseph, telling and tattling. Verse 3. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. That's a bad sign, Jacob, bad sign. Because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. And do you see what's happening here? Hate is what impeded God's communication. Now, we can have feelings about people and things that misguide our thinking about God. Now, a lot of times we like to talk about parents. Well, Parents shouldn't be, you know, liking one child above another. Okay, that's fine. But listen to what it says. In the next series of events, we're going to see that this preconceived feeling or this preconceived idea that Jacob really started with his brothers or with his sons and his brothers didn't look like him because of that. That's all in the midst here. And God has to deal with all of that. That doesn't stop God from doing what God wants to do. But this gets interesting now. We look at verse 5 in chapter 37. Now, Joseph had a dream 
and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. I mean, I don't know how you could not hate him because he's just acting arrogant. Anyway, verse six. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. Been better if you wouldn't have said that dream, Joseph. Anyway, verse seven. There we were binding sheaves in the field. And then behold, take note, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, shall you indeed reign over us? Or should you indeed have dominion over us? So they, they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now, let me tell you something. Joseph's first dream was true. It's going to happen. But the hatred of Joseph blocked any meaning from his brothers. How many times has God spoken to us about people or about things and we have missed it? We missed it so many times. God can speak to us and we can miss it. There it goes. And we're always asking, so how come God won't? How come God won't? There it went. How come, we're, how come God won't when it's right in front of us? Because of the hate and the feelings that we have. So we need to pray and ask the Lord to help us to see his word and help us to see his ways. That's what I pray when we say, Lord, show me your ways and teach me your paths. Because so many things happen to us, it blocks us seeing God's ways. So we need to pay attention now. Let's go back to the scripture and learn some more. This gets interesting. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers. This guy can't keep his mouth shut and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the stars, the 11 stars, bowed down to me. So he said to his father and to his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? I mean, Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now that brings me to point three, which is interesting. The natural human reaction to God's plan can often be wrong. Jacob was reacting wrongly. We must learn to hear the Lord with our spirit, not just with our mind. We must learn to hear God with our spirit, not just with our mind, not just how it sounds or seems. Because I'll tell you, there's a great passage that somebody once told me, a great man of wisdom said, this too shall pass. In other words, the situation we're in today will pass. But what will happen is God will always remain the same. So we need to keep that in our hearts and our minds. Things have happened to us in life. And the enemies tried to position us against God. We come to Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, help me to learn to forgive people, not hold a grudge, and to do things differently so that they, they don't get in the way of truly hearing your will. Now, this is a message that we need to hear today because there's wars going on, politics are happening, you name it, it's all happening. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ needs, everybody needs Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what end of politics you're on or what warrior and everybody needs Jesus Christ. And we need to pay attention to what the Lord says to us. And today in this world, 
as Christians, as people who believe in God and love the Lord Jesus Christ, invited Jesus into our heart, let's pay attention because God is speaking and he's doing things. What is he doing? Listen. In Genesis chapter 35, the Bible records for us the death of the matriarch, Rachel. And it's it's really interestingly timed to be after uh, she would have had to hand over the household idols that she had stolen from her father, which is really interesting because if we remember back to when Jacob uh, was talking to Laban, when Laban had chased him down and was looking for the idols and did not successfully find them, Jacob said, whoever is found with the idols will die. So it's a really interesting placement in the scripture that right after Rachel would have had to give these idols over so that uh, Jacob could bury them and the family could go on their way to build an altar to God at Bethel, she would have been discovered right after that is the account of her dying in childbirth. So it's just interesting that the author kind of paired that up for us thematically as well. Let's take a look at the site then of Rachel's tomb because she was not buried in the cave of Machpelah uh, with, uh, you know, uh, Isaac and Abraham and their wives. She had a special tomb. So let's take a look at that. The history of the Jewish patriarchs and matriarchs is recorded in the biblical book of Genesis. While fraught with questionable actions and moral failures, the Bible presents the lives of these nation founders as the beginning of God's amazing plan for salvation. Some biblical sites directly associated with the personal lives of these patriarchs are still known to us today nearly 4,000 years later. Amongst them is the unusual tomb of Rachel, the second but beloved wife of Jacob and mother to Joseph and Benjamin. Genesis 29 to 35 tell Rachel's story, her marriage to Jacob, her war with her sister Leah for cultural supremacy in their household, the stealing of her father's family idols, and her death on the way to Bethlehem from complications and childbirth. This is a tragic account of a woman loved but plagued by cultural expectations that haunted her in her barrenness. As she was beginning to overcome them, she died, cut off too soon to enjoy her victory. The biblical authors record specifically that instead of inter her in the family tomb of his grandfather, Abraham, Rachel's husband Jacob instead buried her where they were, along the path of the road to Bethlehem. He's said to have set up a marker on her grave where it was still standing hundreds of years later at the time of the writing of Genesis. About a thousand years after her death, the prophet Jeremiah used the matriarch Rachel in his prophecy about the destruction of Judah and Jerusalem by the Babylonians. He pictures her as weeping over the deportation of her people when God replies that he hasn't truly abandoned them. He would bring them back from exile in his time. Matthew uses this image again in his gospel in reference to a slaughter ordered by Herod the Great. 
The traditional location of Rachel's tomb is today kept as a place to honor this mother of three tribes of Israel. In the Byzantine period, an open dome structure was placed over the tomb, both to honor it and serve as shelter from the elements. It was further renovated in 1841 by closing up the dome structure and adding a receiving room. Today, it's protected by strong modern walls and guard towers that surround the original structure. The fact that Rachel has her own tomb is really interesting as well because she's often more remembered as the wife of Jacob than Leah is. And yet it was Leah, the unloved wife, who was honored with having a spot in the cave of Machpelah as that first wife of Jacob and the mother of several sons that would become tribes of Israel. And it's interesting because when you look at Leah and she was considered the unloved wife, mm -hmm. uh, it, it gets really interesting because you're asking a question. Well, you know, if she's unloved, why wasn't it? But God preserved her. Yeah. And God made a place for her. Yeah. So when the Old Testament talks about love, it doesn't always mean emotional love. Often it means active love. So she wasn't Jacob's priority. His priority was Rachel. In his heart, Rachel was his first wife and Leah was not, right? So he did not love her. He did not prioritize her. But we see in that story of their baby wars earlier in, in Genesis that God gave Leah children. He prioritized her. God loved Leah. And that's why when she gets to Judah, her fourth son, she she lets go of this idea of trying to win Jacob's favor. And she says, God has seen me. God has given me and I will praise him. So she has this real character shift over that and realizes that it's the most important thing that God sees her and God loves her. Yeah, it really is. And mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's fascinating when you begin to understand it and learn about the marriage situation at the beginning. So that's mm -hmm. really something, right? All right, well, today I want to focus in on Genesis chapter 37, where Jacob adorns his son Joseph with a special tunic. Now, some Bible translations refer to it as a coat of many colors. But what was the meaning behind this robe? And do we have any idea of what it might have looked like? Well, let's see if we can find out. When Jacob's eldest son, Reuben, commits the grievous act of sleeping with his father's concubine, Bilhah, it seems that Jacob sits idly by and does nothing. However, Jacob knows exactly what the cost for this sin will be. Indeed, for Reuben, this sinful act was most likely an attempt to attain leadership over the family. It was a power grab. For this, Jacob will strip Reuben of his firstborn rights and give it to another of his sons instead. In fact, this honor would fall to his favorite son, Joseph, who was the firstborn son of Rachel, his favorite wife. This elevation is recorded in Genesis 37.3. Now Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. Though this coat or tunic is sometimes described as having many colors, in Hebrew, the phrase is kotenet pesem. Literally, it does not mean a coat of many colors, but rather a long coat with full sleeves. 2 Samuel 13.18 also reveals that robes such as these were reserved for royalty. The tradition of many colors is actually based upon the Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint, which reads a multicolored frock, a reading which is followed by the Latin Vulgate. Interestingly, in Egypt, where the Septuagint was composed, has been discovered ancient tombs from the times of the patriarchs with pictorials showing that Semitic chiefs wore coats of full sleeves and many colors as an insignia of rulership. Thus, as a Semite, 
What Joseph's coat signified was that he now had the right of the firstborn and that he was to have preeminence in the family. Joseph was to replace Reuben as the firstborn and leader of the clan, and this was Jacob's response to Reuben's sin. So just to elaborate on the tombs with the pictorials a little bit, these were tombs in Egypt dating back to the patriarchal age, and they do show Semitic chiefs wearing coats of full sleeves and lots of different colors as an insignia of rulership. And while I can't prove it, I do wonder if this is where the translators of the Septuagint got their tradition of the many colors from. They were there in Egypt, so it might be possible. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, the uh, implication is that uh, if you had your son or your daughter in this kind of clothing, that you represented the family when you went into a new place. And so when people wanted to talk to your family, they would talk to them. It's fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Really interesting yeah, studies. Like an ambassador kind yeah. of role. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that, that's, uh, that's fascinating. Anyway, Janice. Which is why we need to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus if we are ambassadors to this world. And I'm sitting here thinking, Corey, as you were describing Leah's um, characteristics and feeling that unloved portion, by the time she had her fourth son and she named him Judah, meaning praise to God, isn't that such an amazing testimony for all of us who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ that, that we in our lives, sometimes we strive so hard to gain the acceptance mm -hmm. of others. And we put that before our relationship with God. And yet when we can finally give all of that over to him, and sometimes it's a harder struggle because I don't know what you've walked in in your shoes. But to, to think of that, that finally she was able to let go of that, to not be so um, worried about being accepted by Jacob, but that she was accepted by God. And, and at that point in her life, that was enough for her. Mm -hmm. What an amazing testimony. What an amazing place for you and I as well to get to that place in our lives when we say, you know what, God, it is you that's first in my life. And I know what you have done for me, for me. You see what I've gone through. You, you know my weaknesses and yet you still love me. It's, it's the grace of God that saves us. We don't deserve it. But yet he extends that to each one of us, knowing who we are. God loved us while we were still sinners. Isn't that an amazing thought? Mm -hmm. He loved us. And, and so, so thank you for, for, for bringing that point out to us today because it's something, it's so subtle, but profound, yeah. right? Yeah, it is because, and, and even how you said, God loved us while we were still sinners. While Leah wasn't recognizing the blessings of God, those, those things that showed her that God loved her, because yes. he had given her three, four, her, it was her fourth, fourth son, son where she finally, so he had already given her three blessings, yes. three things of, I favor you, Leah. I love you, Leah. Yes. I've chosen you, Leah, as a matriarch of Israel. She completely was not even paying attention to that. So it, it truly goes with, well, God, while we were still sinners, God loved us. Right. You know, and, and finally, I love that moment where finally she's like, wait, God's been loving me this whole time and I haven't loved him back. Now I'm going to choose to love him. Mm. 
and prioritize him. Yes. It's awesome. What a what a, a life changing, it impacts everything, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And this really goes along too with a, a message to young people, which was what I was talking about, because we are learning about this young boy, Joseph, and his dad, and all of the things that he's going through, the struggles with his brother. And, and it says in, in verse two of chapter 37, this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And then we see this whole thing happen with Joseph and his brothers. And Joseph had quite an arrogant attitude from what we can gather. And he was right around that age when he was just getting on the nerves of his brothers and saying, it seems like the wrong things at the wrong time. But listen to me, God had a plan for Joseph and young person out there. You don't have to be 17 young person out there. I want to tell you that God has a future for you. And in the same way that God and, and Corey and I were talking about the life of Leah and all of the blessings that God had given to her, and yet she hadn't really recognized them. Maybe that's where you are right now. You're in a difficult spot. Being a young person right now isn't the easiest thing. And sometimes young people get a bad rap in this world. Well, let me tell you something that God loves you so very much. I want to read Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13 to the young people right now. God says, for For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. No matter what you're doing in life right now, young person, seek after God. He knows who you are and he has designed you for a purpose that no one else can fulfill. And that's not to come with a great burden on your shoulders because you don't do it by yourself. You do it together with God. That's the cool part about this. It's not all on you. All you have to do is follow God and say, you know what, God? I want to seek you with all my heart. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to be going to church. I'm going to be taking time to get to know who you are because God already knows who you are. So you need to develop that relationship with him. And I promise you, you will go through some battles. Yes, you will. You'll go through some trials. People will misunderstand who you are. But let me tell you something. God will help you through them. And as he helps them, helps you through them, you'll become stronger and your relationship and your trust and your faith in your Heavenly Father will grow and develop because He does have a bright future for you. No matter what it looks like around you right now, God has a bright future for you. So you hang on to God. You follow after God. Seek Him and you will change. As we continue our attitude of prayer, we pray this way. Lord, help me to learn to listen to you with my spirit. 
not with my emotions, not with my reactions, but with my spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to uh, join me and we answer Bible questions and everything else, go to YouTube and look for Pastor Rod Hembry. And when you look for it, you can subscribe to it and you can join us and we'll take your questions there.